Hello out there in podcast land. Welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. We have a juicy subject today, or scripture, I will say. The subject is still shepherding. And so today we're in the Old Testament. We are going to be in the book of 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 12. 2 Samuel, 12th chapter, verses 1 through 12. And today I'm going to be reading from the Message Bible because I need it in our vernacular, so to speak. Ready? Here we go. But God was not at all pleased with what David had done and sent Nathan to David. Nathan said to him, There were two men in the same city, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had huge flocks of sheep, herds of cattle. The poor man had nothing but one little female lamb, which he had brought and raised. It grew up with him and his children as a member of the family. It ate off his plate and drank from his cup and slept on his bed. It was like a daughter to him. One day, a traveler dropped in on the rich man. He was so stingy to take an animal from his own herds or flocks to make a meal for his visitor, so he took the poor man's lamb and prepared a meal to set before his guest. David exploded in anger. As surely as God lives, he said to Nathan, the man who did this ought to be lynched. He must repay for the lamb four times over his crime and his stinginess. You are the man, said Nathan. And here's what God, the God of Israel, has to say to you. I made you king over Israel. I freed you from the fist of Saul. I gave you your master's daughter and other wives to have and to hold. I gave you both Israel and Judah. And if that hadn't been enough, I'd have gladly thrown in much more. So why have you treated the word of God with brazen contempt, doing this great evil? You murdered Uriah the Hittite and took his wife as your wife. Worse. You killed him with an Amorite sword. And now, because you treated God with such contempt and took Uriah the Hittite's wife as your wife, killing and murdering will continually, continually plague your family. This is God speaking, remember? I'll make trouble for you out of your own family. I'll take your wives from right out in front of you. I'll give them to some neighbor and he'll go to bed with them openly. You did your deed in secret. I'm doing mine with the whole country watching. Ouch. When I read that, what was going through your mind? At first, when I read it, I was like, duh, David, come on. You didn't realize that what you were doing when you raped another man's wife and then had her husband murdered? something so obvious to us today but I want us to think about it from David's perspective for a moment remember he was king now he was well settled in his role as king 
And he was a good king, right? He had become settled, though. And by settled, I mean complacent. And perhaps started to take his own role as king for granted. Forgetting that God had placed him there. He wasn't out in battle like other kings. And that's what precedes the scriptures before he has um, Bathsheba brought to him. That when kings were out in battle, David was at home. Now in the military, our generals aren't out in the front lines with the troops. But they're always in a safe they're always in an area that's uh, a safe distance because, of course, there's generals. They have a lot of knowledge, and you put them out on the front with the troops. The likelihood of them, you know, coming across some type of accident is higher. And because they've made it up through rank, they um, we need their expertise. So they're not on the front lines per se, but they're still at a they're they're at a safe distance away, but they're still very much in the fight. They're there so that they can make accurate decisions and maintain an accurate pulse of what's going on. David was chilling at home. He was too far away. And we know that when you're chilling, right, that's when you get into trouble. (laughs) That's when your mind starts wandering and you start thinking about things. We need to be active. And you think about it from the standpoint of just children When they're idle, they can get into trouble if we don't have things for them to do. So now he takes what isn't his. But as king, isn't everything his? Think about that. He's king. People drop at the top of a hand trying to give him his cup of wine or whatever. He's king. And then think about the lack of agency women had during that time period in that particular community. Very patriarchal. Everything hinged on them marrying and then having a male child. So could Bathsheba have said no to the king? I can't hear you. Could she? The answer is, I mean, yes, she could have. She would have been a fool to do so, though. But then let's be honest, do you think she was given a choice? The lack of agency that women had, and they didn't have choices, per se. She was summoned to see the king, and her husband was gone. The covering, protection, and respect that she had by being a wife, by being, you know, under Uriah, is now gone because he's away. So I think she really had no choice. And I think she she knew that she didn't have a choice. And I think she understood the, the stigma she would have received, you know, had anyone told her husband what occurred. She would have been the one to blame. Things are too different now in society when women are sexually assaulted. But that's another podcast. David knew his position. David knew that everything or believed that everything belonged to him, which is why he showed no remorse after he brought Bathsheba in and essentially raped her 
and then when she told him she was pregnant then he was like well how am I gonna okay I'll have her husband kill he was king everything belonged to him God had placed Israel at Jesus feet to be Israel's shepherd to shepherd the flock of Israel not to exploit it and that's why I think is why David was clueless to what he had done he was king and it had gone to his head and that's the scene that Nathan paints that David abused his role as shepherd so now let's turn the lens on you and me caregivers God entrusted me with caring for his daughter my mother I controlled everything about her life her health care living space food finances everything and I remember on one of the visits that we would go her doctor appointments to the neurologist Dr. Liao that's where you know I found out that she actually had Alzheimer's he would you know do a battery of tests have her touch her you know touch her nose with her finger and hold her hand straight out you know do all sorts of stuff and I guess he was checking you know her muscle reaction and whether she was shaking and if she could remember certain things he was a pleasant person he was also a Christian that's I'll get to that later but anyway so he would check he would talk to her talk to me and I'd tell him about the progress and whatnot and then he would so I'd have mama dressed real cute. She wore little hats and whatnot, and I had her coordinated just like she used to have me dressed to the nines when I was a little girl. Well, it was my turn. I used to call her my Barbie doll because <laughs> I'd dress her up. And uh, most people would always comment on how cute she looked. Well, my mother loved to dress anyway. I wasn't going to have her coming out of the house looking shabby because I understood, one, that it was a reflection on me and how I felt about her if I were to allow her to come out looking any kind of way and I come out looking like a rock star. But two, I mean, I like to dress. She taught me that and I I wanted both of us to be cute. But anyway, sometimes depending on if I thought she was cold, I'd have socks on her feet and she'd have little sandals on or, you know, some shoes. But he would always have me unlace the shoes and take her socks off and he I mean he spent like a second like he'd he'd pretend that he was checking the pulse he'd say that I'm checking to see if she had pulse I'm like well yeah she has a pulse down there and so finally I kind of got a little fed up with it I suspected that something else was going on and I said why is it because he could have checked the pulse without me having to take her sock off that's what I realized and so I asked him, I said, why, why is it that you always, you know, go down to the feet and take the sock off? And he kind of looked at me like, oh, she caught me. And you know what he told me? He goes, I'm checking to see if she's clean. I was like, what? He said, Greta, you don't understand the people who come here. He goes, they'll wash the hands and maybe around the neck. But if you do a little investigating, they're filthy underneath their nails haven't been done their toes haven't been there's caked dirt on their feet I was like oh my goodness and then it became 
more clear why after every visit he would always look me in the eye and say, thank you for taking care of mama. And I'd I'd always be like, of course, what? I understood now what he was saying. What he was saying is people were abusing their role as shepherds over their loved ones. They were abusing it. And, And he was a Christian because one time after the Um, appointment was over it was clearly over he had asked the questions he needed to ask and he just kind of lingered in the office for a little while and I remember thinking uh, okay what's next and what what what's going on I didn't say anything I just kind of looked at him and finally he goes um can I pray with you all I was like absolutely and so after that we prayed all the time so he was a Christian but yes people abuse and exploit their roles as caregivers they, they exploit it. And so that's not what God called me or you to do. As my mother's share um, shepherd or for you who are taking care of your loved ones. You will be tempted to. The devil will place you in positions to tempt you. You know, things that you can do to benefit yourself or, you know, quote unquote, to pay yourself for caring for them because no one else is paying for you. And this is costing you a lot of money or whatever, whatever, whatever. And I'm not saying that sometimes you may be able to pay yourself, but it can't be at the expense of you taking care of the person God is giving you charge to take care of. Mama, when she first came to live with me, you know, before the Alzheimer's really ravaged her memory, she was insistent that she con- uh, contribute to the house. Now, I didn't need it. I was on active duty. But I understood the need for her to do so because her contributing to the household made her feel a part of our home. And she was also demonstrating to me that she appreciated me and she was not taking me for granted. So Mama bought groceries for the house. And every month and where sometimes I wouldn't take her to the commissary or when I did, I'd always say, thank you, because that's what you contributed to the household. And she'd always smile. Even when she had um, Alzheimer's and I was getting different things, I would still, quote unquote, get the groceries. But then as her needs became more like the insurance and all that kind of stuff, of course, that's I made sure that she was buying that for herself. And then sometimes, you know, I'd be like, okay, Christmas time will come. I know she'd want to give me a Christmas gift. And so I may get myself a book or something, but it was never over $100. So I'm not saying that you won't be able to do some of the money or something like that, but you can't exploit. You can't exploit the person God has given you charge over. I understood the gravity of my position as caregiver, and you need to also. And like we have just read, God takes it very seriously when we abuse the power that he's given us. And today I want you to understand that, that it doesn't matter the role or position God has given you, whether it's big or small, but God wants you to take it seriously. Take it seriously. Do not exploit or take advantage of anyone whether it be your loved one whom you are caring for, your spouse, your children, your friend, your co-worker, boss, local grocery store clerk. See where I'm going with this? You are a child of the Most High God. You don't need to take advantage of anyone because you have God on your side. God, your Father, has already made wonderful provisions for you. And just 
as he stated through Nathan, if there is anything that you need that, that, that he hasn't provided for you immediately that you can't see, all you have to do is ask him. All you have to do is ask him and he'll give it to you. Today, we're going to vow not to get caught up and be so complacent in our roles that God has placed us in. Of course, caregiver, because this is the podcast, Caregiving is a Ministry. But to get complacent in your role as husband, to get complacent in your role as wife, to get complacent in your role as parent, to get complacent in your role as sibling, perhaps. Don't get complacent. Remember, it's a position God has given you, and it's a blessing. And make sure that you're attending the flock that he's given you. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for this day, for this Monday that you have given us. That we start off our week understanding that you have given us great responsibilities but not responsibilities that you have left us alone to handle on our own, but that you are here with us. You have told us that the enemy will tempt us to do things in our own right, to forget that it is you who have given us all that we have, our relationships, our responsibilities the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, the ability to speak and to reason and to think and to walk, that all of that you have granted us. Help us to be appreciative of that and help us to be ever before you seeking your guidance as to how we can shepherd the flocks that you have given us better that the way that we shepherd our relationships, the way that we shepherd our loved ones who we are caring for, that it does bring honor and glory to you. Help us to not be complacent. Help us to not get haughty in our own minds and do something foolish or downright stupid as we see our brother David did. But even in his foolishness, in his stupidity and greed and complacency or what have you, once it was brought to his attention and he recognized that he had sinned, he fell before you and you forgave him. You know that we aren't perfect. And so we will sin, we will fall. But help us to not need a Nathan, but if we do send a Nathan, And help us to respond as David did by falling on our faces before you and asking for forgiveness. Thank you for loving us that much. Thank you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, my caregiving community, you know I love you. That glory minister, the act of caregiving. In the name of Jesus, bye.